Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. And happy Thanksgiving to you. You can learn about this program and the church behind it when you download the free Living Truth app. That's the Living Truth app. Look for the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 called Your Body is Temple. Song of Solomon, if you've ever read the Song of Solomon, has an incredible, we might even call it erotic treatment of love. And it is something that might make most even modern readers blush a bit. But they celebrate that they can find satisfaction and pleasure in one another's bodies. And as Christians, we need to know that that's not wrong. Because sometimes we send a message to the culture that that's a taboo topic. No, God created it. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 5, uh, just to give you a little sample of it, it uh, the writer says these words. It says, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. That's just a sample of what the Bible says. So God is not saying you cannot enjoy this area, but He is saying I want you to do it my way and in my time. Within the context of marriage, in Hebrews 13.4, says the marriage bed is undefiled. You don't have to be embarrassed about that in the context of marriage. This is where you should have a beautiful oneness with your spouse. And you can celebrate that and enjoy that. And there is obviously powerful connection in that. But sadly, in the Corinthian culture, just like in our culture, they took it out of its proper context. And so there was all kinds of excuses that they were making and it would appear that they even were living by what many believe are slogans. So here's the, the first one that everybody, I think just about everybody agrees, is some sort of slogan that the Corinthian church or culture had embraced. Look at verse 12, 1 Corinthians 6. It says, All things are lawful for me. Now, if you have an NIV, you might notice that's in quotes because the majority of scholars believe that all things are lawful for me is a slogan in the Corinthian church. Now, there are others, or in the Corinthian culture, there are others that argue that they took a, Paul's teaching about grace, that you're saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's not by works. It's not by merit. You're saved completely by grace. And somehow they took that teaching and then determine, okay, if I'm saved by grace and my works have nothing to do with it, then all things are lawful for me. I can, I can do whatever I want. You may know somebody who claims to be a Christian, and that is their mantra. You're saved by grace, so you can do whatever you want. It's no big deal. Or they might even say, well, God will forgive you, so if you got that one wrong, it's cool, because grace, 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 grace. But Paul does say in Romans that you never use grace as what? an excuse for sin. And whenever you sin, what ha ends up happening is you pay a price. You never sin in a vacuum, and especially sexual sin has, has a more, um, more of an impact on the person, and we'll, we'll see that in a verse to come. So, all things are lawful for me. Perhaps this was something that they were saying 
in the Corinthian congregation. All things are lawful for me. Do you know, do you have some friends that live by slogans like this or snappy sound bites? If it feels good, do it. And sometimes people, I'm shocked that people don't even think through the sound bites that they live by. I remember I, I was talking to a guy and he quoted from a poem that was written by an atheist. And he said, that was written by a Christian, right? And I was like, no, that was written by an atheist. And basically the poem was about a, a person being the master of their own soul and the master of their own destiny. And he, he had lived several decades believing that that was written by a Christian. And I said, no, that is contrary to the Christian view. God's the master of your destiny, not you. And so it, it interests me that people will uh, kind of embrace these things and they become things by which they live their lives and make decisions. Maybe the Corinthians would say it something like, like this, free of restraints, definitions, or inhibitions. I don't have to restrain myself in this area. The, there was a Greek teaching that was kind of codified or became a system called Gnosticism. And one view of Gnosticism was captured in an idea, sorry for the big words, of antinomianism. Simply just means no law. And in some schools of Gnostic thought, they said all that really matters is your soul or spirit. It doesn't matter what you do with your body because your body is matter and all matters evil. So this came from some philosophy from Plato and it developed over time. And so basically what they said is this, you can do whatever you want with your body because it doesn't affect your spirit. People say it this way today, God knows my heart. Yeah, he does know your heart, but he also does care about what you do with your body. And sometimes what we do is we, we use little catchphrases to justify sinful behavior. Let's face it, when we know it's wrong, we know we're outside of the scope of God's will. We know there are Bible verses that are clear that we are violating, yet we can find some way to say, well, oh, God knows my heart. Yeah, he does. And he knows what you're doing, too. <laughs> He knows how you're justifying your behavior with snappy catchphrases that are really more about the culture than they are about Scripture. And people say, well, I'm free. Uh, I can do what I want. But have you ever looked into the eyes of someone who makes that claim and see how hollow indeed that can be? All things are lawful for, my, be, for me uh, might actually be I'm a slave to all things. True freedom is not about being consumed with self, but worrying less about yourself and more about others. Freedom is loving people more. Are you free enough to do something that might be helpful for someone else? What do you think the cultural outlook has produced? Look around. What do you think this so-called freedom has produced? Do you see chivalry? Honor? Respect, true love, take a look around. What, surf on your TV and see where you see it. Honor, chivalry, respect, true love. Do you see it? I don't. Largely, I don't. And we know that Paul uses the word pornea when he is talking about sexual immorality. 
And these are just some quick stats. Porn sites receive more regular traffic today than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. 35% of all internet downloads are porn-related. 34% of internet users have expo been exposed to unwanted porn via ads or pop-ups. People who admit to having an extramarital affair, I'm reading from a, a website's stats, were over 300% more likely to admit to consuming porn than those who have never had an extramarital affair. Porn is a global, estimated $97 billion industry, with about $12 billion of that coming from the United States. In 2016 alone, get this, more than 4 billion 599 million hours of porn were consumed on the world's largest porn site. That is 4 billion 599 million hours of consumption on one porn site. I could go on. But you can see that when the world claims to have freedom, I'm not sure that's true at all. And so Paul says in the NIV, verse 12, everything is permissible for me. He might be saying it back to them, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, permissible for me, but I will not be mastered or dominated by anything. You see, you could make a claim, at least in some areas, and maybe Paul is quoting back the slogan to them, yes, you're free. Yes, Jesus Christ pays for all sin. But you have to weigh your Christian life by what is beneficial. And of course, immediately as a Christian, I can say there are things that are sinful and not, and so those are easy to categorize. But then there's another part of life where I have to ask what's actually beneficial for my life. Even though I'm saved by grace through faith, what, what is it going to be in terms of a benefit if I do this thing? Here's an example. Uh, you could have a debate about smoking cigarettes. And some of you have wrestled with, you know, maybe an addiction to cigarettes. And people have said, uh, will cigarettes keep you out of heaven if you smoke cigarettes? No. Cigarettes won't keep you out of heaven, but it may get you there quicker. <laughs> right? I don't, I don't know that there's a Bible verse that says smoking sends people to hell. Of course it doesn't. But you will have an impact on your body. Your diet. You are free to eat whatever you want. Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man, but what comes out of a man defiles him. So you could eat whatever you want. But if you eat chocolate cake three times a day and for dessert, you, you even have a song about your chocolate cake, celebrating your, your freedom. Let me tell you, you're probably going to end up with diabetes and high sugar and probably it's going to impact your life, right? Decisions that we make, I could say it's lawful for me, but is it profitable? And of course, we have to be careful even how we look at things like this because um, Paul is not saying, oh, you can do whatever you want. He's saying, look, you got to weigh everything by the scripture first, and then you got to ask the question about what's actually beneficial. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. 
That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Here's an example. Uh, You could have a debate about smoking cigarettes, and some of you have wrestled with, you know, maybe an addiction to cigarettes. And people have said, will cigarettes keep you out of heaven if you smoke cigarettes? No. Cigarettes won't keep you out of heaven, but it may get you there quicker. (laughs) Right? I don't, I don't know that there's a Bible verse that says smoking sends people to hell. Of course it doesn't. But you will have an impact on your body. Your diet. You are free to eat whatever you want. Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man, but what comes out of a man defiles him. So you could eat whatever you want. But if you eat chocolate cake three times a day and four desserts, you, you even have a song about your chocolate cake celebrating your, cho- your freedom. Let me tell you, you're probably going to end up with diabetes and high sugar and probably it's going to impact your life, right? Decisions that we make, I could say it's lawful for me, but is it profitable? And of course, we have to be careful even how we look at things like this because um, Paul is not saying, oh, you can do whatever you want. He's saying, look, you got to weigh everything by the Scripture first, and then you got to ask the question about what's actually beneficial. A major theme in the book will be that which edifies. Paul will say love edifies. Spiritual gifts should edify other people. Uh, if we do something that stumbles somebody else, even if we're free to do it, we shouldn't do it because it would stumble them instead of edifying them. So we have to look at our Christian life in a way that we would ask this question. Is it helpful or hurtful? Notice that Paul even personalizes it. Look at 12. He says, says, everything is permissible for me. But Paul would say later, follow me as I follow Christ. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. And then Paul says, I will not be brought under the power of anything. I refuse to be dominated by anything except one master. I have one master, and his name is Jesus. 
Later in the book, Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 9.27, I buffet my body and make it my slave. Literally, the picture is I have to beat up my body and beat it into submission, metaphorically speaking, so that I don't fall and disqualify myself and somehow hurt the message that I preach to others by my own failure. I even heard a story of a pastor who had the names of all these pastors who had moral failures, hundreds of them, and he kept, uh, kept them in a book to remind himself that he could fall at any time. We have to guard our lives. And so Paul is saying, look, I even have to buffet my own body so that I make it my slave instead of I becoming a slave to my body. I have a new master. His name is Jesus. Now, this could be another slogan or just something that uh, Paul is commenting on, but notice it says 13, food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food. But God will do away with both of them. May have gone something like this. Some believe this was a second slogan. And the Corinthians said something like this. Food is for the stomach and the stomach's for food. When you're hungry, you eat. And so they tried to move this into the area of sexual gratification. And they said something like this. When you're hungry, you eat food. So if you have a sexual impulse, you should satisfy it. And I will tell you, in this cultural setting, it was even culturally acceptable to fulfill your pleasures with a prostitute. Culturally acceptable. Nobody really even worried too much about it. It was a cultural norm for men to have concubines, for men to go to prostitutes, for men to have a wife through which, by which they would have a family, and then he would go over here and then find pleasure with a prostitute. And they would live by a soundbite and say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, sexual desire, you fulfill it. Just like when you're hungry, you eat. And that's was another apparently mantra. But Paul debunks that, just like he debunked the first one when he says, but God will destroy both of them. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. That's the word pornea. It's a single word. But for the Lord and the Lord for the body. To debunk some of the Greek thought of the time and to give them a biblical worldview, Paul says, no, actually your body is for the Lord. Now we could say our stomach was designed to digest and process food, but your body as a whole is for the Lord. The Corinthian might say, sex is just something you do with your body. My heart and soul is with God. There are no entanglements necessary. Get satisfied and move on. Have you heard that before? Oh, you could just have a one-night stand with a person. You could hook up with a person. And it's no big deal. You both just get some satisfaction and you move on. But let me tell you, you don't move on. It's been said that you can't go to bed with someone and leave your soul parked outside. You can't. God's Word says, no, your body is not for pornea, sexual immorality. It is for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Wow! That should rock our worldview. Amen? This is what the Bible says. The Bible says actually your body is for the Lord. 
It's for His use. It's for His glory. You and I were created to know God. You were meant to know God. And the way God has decided to have a close union with you is to come in some way that I don't fully understand and live inside of you. We're studying the book of Esther and there's a king in Greek. He's known as King Xerxes. And uh, he has a harem of all these women and Esther ends up rising to be the queen by God's providential hand. And when Esther rises to be the queen, it's God working to save the Jewish people. But the king, 14 years later, uh, is executed. He's assassinated in his bedroom by people who served him. And it, it's an apropos thing, and here's why. Because we're told by extra-biblical sources that the king was messing around with some of his subjects' wives. He was getting close to them, flirting with them, and so forth. And they didn't like it. And so in the place where he had damaged so many lives with his concubines and harem and so forth, he was assassinated in his bedroom. As if to say, you've ruined so many people's lives right here by making it all about one man's pleasure. Everybody's got to serve at the one man's pleasure that you're killed right here where you did damage. You see, the Bible does say that your sin will find you out, but the Bible also celebrates the fact that we are forgiven by God. Notice in verse 11 of the same chapter, such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. When we read the, the verses of uh, 9 and 10 there, we see so much sexual sin that's rampant in our day, including fornication and idolatry around sex and adultery and homosexuality and so forth. These are sins of the body. But then Paul says, that's what you used to be, but you were washed. Praise God. You were sanctified. You were justified. You don't have to be defined by your failures or even sexual brokenness. You don't have to be defined by that anymore. But Paul might add, but don't go back to that. You've been washed from that. Don't, don't go back to the little snappy sayings or sound bites of the culture or somehow believe that just because you are saved by grace that you can just continue doing what you want. Your body matters. You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and that was part two of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 called Your Body, His Temple. Please remember that we archive every program you hear and miss. Listen on walkintruth.com or follow the Walk in Truth podcast on your favorite podcast app. We're on iHeartRadio, Apple Music, Google Music, Spotify, and many more. Now, here's Pastor Michael Lance with a final word. Well, I want to wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. May the Lord bless you and your family as you gather around the table. And if you uh, don't have anywhere to gather, I pray that the Lord will be everything that you need on this day. May the Lord bless you. You know, the idea of Thanksgiving actually connects to the idea of tabernacles, uh, a feast, a celebration. You can see some of this in the, the imagery of the Feast of Tabernacles in the Jewish uh, feast, and that spilled over to the American holiday. And, that, you know, Abraham Lincoln made a, a Thanksgiving proclamation. And if I recall correctly, I think it was 1863, and he called for the nation— 
to, in humble repentance, return to God. He talked about the condition of the country and how there had been much division in the country and how we had taken our blessings for granted and we had forgotten God. And he was calling us as a country to come back to God. And, you know, folks, even though that was a long time ago, wouldn't you agree with me that that's desperately what we need right now? We need to come back to God. And, you know, America, I think, still has obviously many, many Christians in the nation, a founding that was based upon biblical principles. Obviously, mistakes were made along the way, imperfect people leading. But in the end, the idea of America was really based on a Judeo-Christian approach to things. And the God of the Bible still wants to bless nations that will honor him. And my prayer for America is that she, we, will come back to God. I think that resonates with many of you today on this wonderful Thanksgiving. This could be a great prayer that all of us can pray. Lord, bring America back to you. Let it start with me and my family. That's what Thanksgiving is really all about. It's looking to God, counting our blessings, and asking that he would bless us as we honor him. I pray you'll have a wonderful celebration with your family. Try not to eat too much. <laughs> I know that's hard. <laughs> you can repent tomorrow, I guess. <laughs> enjoy enjoy the feasting. Enjoy the holiday. Enjoy all the good things. Give thanks to God. And we'll catch you next time on the program. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 called Your Body, His Temple. I'm Mike Massaro. Have a happy Thanksgiving. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.